Hello and welcome to Unstoppable. I am your host, Kerwin Ray, and today we talk all things plants and nutrition with Simon Hill. Now, this young man, oh my God, Plant Proof Simon. He is actually the founder of multiple businesses, including Your Tea, Mr. Bean Body Care, and Plant Proof, as well as the Organic Village Food. He has his own incredibly popular podcast called Plant Proof Podcast, and he's actually one of Chris Hemsworth's special experts on his health and fitness app, Center. And in this episode, we talk to Simon about his journey as a young man working as a physiotherapist, setting up a side hustle, 109 Jerry, which was a telecommunications service that was similar to Ask Jeeves. And if you remember Ask Jeeves, and <laughs> you've been around a long time, uh, and he actually learned how to make more money in his side hustle, so he was able to actually leave his job as his physiotherapist and embark on a career as an incredible entrepreneur. He tells us his story about how he modeled all of his brands around the same strategies and how he started his most recent passion project plant proof he talks about his work-life balance in his 20s and the guilt he felt from his friends and families by focusing on his business this guy's got an incredible mindset with enormous resilience and we discuss how he developed that as well as parenting and steering kids in the right direction when it comes to healthy choices for food and also about finding purpose and teaching sustainable healthy eating for those of you vegetarians vegans and just people who want to be a lot more healthy in general this one's for you simon hill listen up This episode is brought to you by Nail It and Scale It, the world's leading fast growth program for businesses. If you have ever wanted to grow your business faster than what you can right now, if you need to make more revenue, if you need more leads, if you need more clients, if you need to know how to plan your business in a strategic way in order to hit big goals, if you need to learn how to scale your business and grow your team and your business so that you have more freedom, then this program is for you. Imagine three days immersed with me where we cover all aspects of business, but we do it from an immersive but also an execution standpoint. We execute every step of the way and we're looking at five key areas we're looking at your psychology we're looking at your marketing your sales your leadership and we're looking at your planning and how we integrate these five key areas to grow your business and your brand quickly so if you'd like to find out more information kerwinray.com ladies and gentlemen it's an absolute honor and a real pleasure to welcome into the unstoppable studios we have a simon hill simon thanks for coming in thanks for having me man i just had a little tour of your office here and the uh, the gym especially caught my eye. Is that you like? is that where you're uh, pumping a bit of iron, mate? Well, <laughs> pumping a bit of meat because <laughs> most of what I do is body weight now. If not okay, everything I do good. is body weight, um, just because you know you get to a stage of life. You, I think you're quite young. You're still what? Thirty two. Uh, Thirty two. Okay, so. Yeah, I've got to the stage of life now where um, I'm not picking things up. I'm just flat out picking myself up. So the more I practice picking me up, the easier life is. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm glad you liked it, mate. So listen, you uh, you have quite an interesting story. You're uh, you've been a little bit covert as an entrepreneur for the last ten years. Uh, you know, busy undercover building a series of businesses, uh, and you're only now coming into the light. Yeah, I guess, and and I mean, I'm coming into the light, I guess, from another angle in terms of some other things I'm doing yep. personally, health and health and well-being. But from a business perspective, I yeah, I guess I flew under the radar a little bit, and yep. I was never one to to sort of want to get involved in interviews and things um, when I was younger. Yeah, and I think that was more because I was so focused on what I was doing. Firstly, but secondly, I was having all these successes, and. To be honest, at that stage of my life, without having been able to sort of step back and reflect on what I was doing, I was really poor at being able to explain to anyone else. Yeah, right. What, what, were, what were my sort of secrets, as everyone would would sort of ask me back then? So I think 
having now being a bit older and being able to look back on on some of the things I've done, I can sort of appreciate, I guess, how I was piecing things together. So for people who don't know your story, why don't you give us like the uh, the, the thirty second nutshell of your claim to fame and yeah, how you've you, you've got done what you've done. And we'll talk about how you've done what you've done, but more and from the positioning of people who haven't don't know who you are. Like, what are the businesses that you built? Sure. So um, I actually finished university as a physiotherapist yep. and uh, started working with AFL players down in Melbourne. So I grew up in Melbourne. Whilst I was working as a physio, I, you know, and I, I remember my salary then was $37,500. Oh. So this was in 2008. I finished wow. and, and I had really, really I had great marks, but I, yeah. I was able to build some great connections and, and working with the AFL players, I got positioned in, in like a private practice, which really they don't take new grads. So I was very lucky. So I yeah. took this job, even though the salary was very low. And it, for me, it was more about just getting into the system and, and learning from some more senior people. Um, at the time, I had been making more money selling various things on eBay. Go yeah, through right. university. So I went from sort of hustling on eBay and, you know, importing things from China like poker chip sets and whatnot, no r- shit. riding the poker sort of wave yep. um, and making... You play poker? Yeah. So okay. I, was, I was playing a lot of poker. I realized that I was playing... A, a, the home game scene was starting to, to pick up. I started importing in um, poker chip sets, managed to be listed very highly on eBay, you know, was working the reviews and stuff. This was like before a lot of marketplace, eBay was like the place to sell then. So then come coming out of uni and working and realizing that it was, you know, it was a tough slog and it was very different to, you know, the, the sort of money that I was <laughs> making while I was a physiotherapy student led me to start thinking about just business and what I wanted to do with life and um, it wasn't so much focused on the money but more not bogging myself down in a career where that wasn't going to allow me freedom to to work out who I was to travel things like that so first opportunity I had to, to do something was you know really by luck I was I met a, a mutual friend um, sorry a mutual friend introduced me to someone um, who ended up becoming my business partner. And at the time, SMS, like telecommunications, um, sort of texting services had, had really started to, to pick up. This was before, this is 2010, 2009, 10. So I don't think Instagram was even around then. And the way that people were using phones was very different. So we'd set up a telecommunication service so it's not a subscription service, not one of those scam services. <laughs> sort of clear that up. It yeah. was. <laughs> I think we just had an Australian extradited to the US yeah. over. This, uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. So this was more. You only pay when you play. There's yep. no subscription. You can you could text in any question. You right. get an answer back. Our guarantee was you get an answer back in sixty seconds. What was the name of this brand? So this was called One Hundred Nine Jerry, right? One Hundred Nine Jerry. Yeah. We ended up selling it, which I can go into. But we the. The entire premise was that you get a question back really quickly from this this really smart, clever guy, Jerry. He can answer whatever question you want. Right. And and I mean, so is it like a um, a handset play on Ask Jeeves? Kind of, yes. So like a lot a mobile of people, search. yeah, like a mobile one, right? Yep. And what we what what I quickly realized was that it was predominantly sort of people aged sixteen to twenty five using it. Yeah. So between over a two year period. 
we so we'd set up this service all us we didn't even really know what we were doing we were dealing with like telstra optus sms aggregators you know i'd been i'd done a physiotherapy course i had no idea about business but through high school i was very good at numbers yep. and i understood not i just understood the basics of numbers from a common sense point of view what what we needed what what overheads we could have in order to to have a, a good net profit, so we set up this business and we we, we used um, contract operators around the world to receive messages from our platform and answer. So we would have, and that was just someone sitting in a call center somewhere with yep. access to the internet. Yeah, we used everyone yep. from from Philippines, locals, UK, Ireland, all around the world, and that allowed us to have a twenty four hour trading. Right. You know, people in different time zones. So we found that was easier than trying to get Australians to work overnight. Yep. Um, or trying to get Australians to work in general. Yeah. Oh, don't go there. <laughs> he didn't do that, did he? Um, so like, so we, we quickly realized who our, our sort of target market was. And the I'm not sure if you remember in like the 70s and 80s, there was, there was slap bands, which you'd slap on your wrist and they'd like curl. Of course I remember. So, of course. I was born in 74, son. Okay, so... We thought, okay, there's there's concerts, there's events, there's a lot of a lot of places where our target market sort of aggregate in big groups. Yep. And between over an eighteen month period, we ordered and had two 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 and a half million slap bands on on the wrists of Australians, right? So we so you brought you brought them back. We brought those things back, and after we did that. Like probably eighteen months later, I saw like Kiki K had slap bands, and um, a few a few other stores had had slap bands, like Sports Girl and things like that. They 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 so came what back. Did, in. Was this you brought them back? So this was in two thousand and ten. Yeah, right. The revival, and you, you know that 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 marketing for us was just huge. We went from from nothing to doing four hundred thousand messages in a month. You know, which was at that time you know 1.6 million dollars in in overall total revenue and then you were remarketing the slap bands to this market is that right no so what we were doing was we would the 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 slap band had the terms and conditions and what the service was about and all right. the information but on the front looked really good so kids would keep wearing them right you know you you, you walk into like so the slap band was the marketing medium you walk into a university on right. on orientation week and every kid would wear be wearing one right that was our marketing tool and then they so how did they get it in their hands We'd send out promotional stuff. So we'd use promotional um, so services on campus, on campus. Handing out slap bands. Yep. 1-800-1-09-ask-jerry on the back. We would sponsor events. Gotcha. We would do whatever we could to... We knew that the that on average people were texting in, you know, 10 to 15 times. So we, we understood what we could invest in terms of getting these wristbands out there. And every SMS was worth roughly how much? To us, oh, net net profit about a dollar, dollar fifty, dollar yeah, right. fifty, yeah. And the average was about six, yeah, six bucks a subscription. So we were, um, you know, at, at at pretty quickly. I was still doing this while I was working as a physio, right? And pretty quickly, I was I was a fifty percent shareholder in this business. And whilst we weren't stripping money out, pretty quickly, you know, fifty percent of the net profit per month was exceeding what I was making in a year as a physio. So I had a I had a decision. Do I want to? I had 
you know, a lot of passion. Do I really enjoy massaging yeah. men, yeah. sweaty men so, after so, AFL games? So, or I, do I want to make money as an entrepreneur? Look, it's a tough, it's a tough <laughs> position to be in. Yeah, well, when you put it that way, it makes sense. <laughs> where, <laughs> which 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 route I went, but I I did kind of feel guilty because I'd done this four year course. Yeah, of course. Right, that yeah. I'd, I'd I'd really. Um, been very determined at doing I well. It's called qualification obligation. Yeah, yeah, I felt very guilty. I yeah. had this guilt. I was like, "Am I doing something wrong here? Yeah. Am I doing? Am I? Is it wrong by like? Are people going to look at me and, and frown upon me, or you know, should I be reconsidering what I'm doing here?" And then, um, but I just thought, you know what, that degree is there. I'll come back to that one day if I have to, you know. And I so I left. I left physiotherapy. We built that business, you know, considerably. I moved to the UK for nine months in Manchester. This is when I was like 23, 24. So moved over there, basically set up the same model, exactly the same thing. Um, Ireland, Netherlands, set that up. And then we sold that to a company which had reverse listed on the on the ASX here called Future Capital. Yep. Future Capital, yeah, I think that's that was they- a, um, they're a private equity? Come public? Uh, so, yeah, Dom, Dom Carosa. Oh, no, Dom. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, right. So, we ended up selling that business to Dom. Yep. And 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 Dom had been doing a lot of acquisitions in the space. Yep. So, we, we were well aware of each other and what was going on. So, it was kind of inevitable. Um, we He was he was listening and wanted to expand and communicate telecommunications sort of media. We wanted to get out and I wanted to explore other things. So, that worked well. Around that time... Probably just before that, I had been in Bali. One of the great things about that business was the freedom, the ability to work wherever I wanted to. Yep, nice. And it was like just so satisfying. And I look back now and really appreciate that I was able to do that because I traveled the whole world. But I, I had come back from Bali and I'd been sick. You asked for a quick snapshot, but this is pretty long. <laughs> Mate, we've gone way past the fucking elevator speech. We're actually now in the trenches. It's all good. Let it roll. Let it roll. Um, I came back and, yeah, I was I was feeling quite sick in the stomach. So I had like a bit of barley belly at the end of the trip. And when I came back, my digestion hadn't really returned to normal. And this girl I knew had had always been interested in Chinese medicine and was cooking up herbs in, in the kitchen at lunch and they'd stink out the whole office. Oh, so you were having the, the boiled herbs, the, the, the special juice? She was having those oh, she was at having that them. stage. Right. And I was like, this is some weird stuff. It is. Oh, it's, look, I've used Chinese medicine for a number of different things over the number of years and it is the most disgusting route, but highly effective. Very effective. So she was... I think actually it's the, it's, 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 it's the pain of the ingestion that makes you take your focus off... <laughs> Whatever your issues are, and you feel good. Probably. As long as I've finished, I feel better. <laughs> Carry on, mate. Um, yeah, so she was encouraging me to, instead of just going and seeing like a Western doctor and getting some antibiotics, go and see the Chinese doctor and, and have him, you know, assess me and, and see if he can fix this digestion issue. So I went in there, and this guy was like, This is in South Yarra in Melbourne, and it's like this sort of quack Chinese doctor in this house that looks like it's kind of half falling down. I won't name him because that sounds pretty mean. But walked in there and it was like a real – it was very different to walking into a Western doctor. Yep. And I was like, okay, I'm not sure if this is going to work. Disclaimer, not all Chinese medicine doctors do business this way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is not this is an exception. This is. Um, anyway, we uh, I went in and the first thing I noticed was as soon as I walked in, he had all of these herbs and spices 
behind the sort of reception desk that had labels on them. So they were labeled as skin, digestion, you know, liver tonic or whatever it was, right? And it was heaps of them. And I thought, okay, that's pretty cool. Went in, saw him. He gave me like a, wrote down like a little bit of a, a script for the for the receptionist to, to give me some herbs. Receptionist starts scooping things out of all these containers. It was like, okay, here you go. This is what you, you need to boil this up three times a day for the next seven days. I was like, okay. Went and did it. Anyway, I think I, I really did feel better. But whether that was just the seven days more of being home or um, placebo, who knows. But I did, I did feel great. And the, all the herbs and spices behind the counter kind of stuck in my mind. And at this time was just when Instagram had started. So Instagram had just just started. And I'd, having done my with my previous business and, and had a real interest in sort of marketing, I'd started to look at this platform and there was no brands on this platform yet. So like I, I think the, the, the biggest sort of following of anyone I came across was like 1,000 or 2,000 people very, very early. And I sat down with this girl and said, look, I think we could make Chinese medicine a little sexier. It's, it's you know, it doesn't need to be this, this weird sort of backyard type of experience. We could dress it up and we could make it a lot more simple and convenient for the modern world. Because if this stuff does work, it's more about just bridging the gap and, and having something that in the modern world people see as effective but sophisticated, elegant, you know. So we decided we would build a brand around Chinese medicine, but bridging that gap, making it very convenient in the modern world to actually access it and consume it, something that wasn't going to stink out the whole office, but was still highly effective. So we went and met with a couple of different traditional Chinese medicine practitioners and spoke about how we could do this. And it really came down to containing all of those herbs into basically what a tea bag is. And we, from there, I bought the domain yourtea.com which I think someone had it, but I paid like $5,000 and got it, which I thought, okay, that's a pretty clear name for the business. And we went down to a Chinese market in Melbourne because one of the, I think one of the themes that we might talk about is all of these businesses I've started very lean and done a lot of test and learn. Yeah, right. And do you mind if we do just like a quick recap? So you started the uh, the SMS business. Yep. You did really well. You built that over a period of a couple of years. You, you expand that internationally and you sold out to Carosa. You then came back. You started the Your Tea Network. You built that up over what period of time? I just sold. I've sold all my shares out sort of three months ago. So it still, right. it still exists today. That okay. Yep. But it's still a, quite a successful, yeah, healthy yeah, yeah, brand. Very, yeah, yeah. And then from there you pivoted into what was the next brand? So from there, we essentially, I set up a, a business with a business partner of mine now, and we've done you know, another nine or 10 brands that right. have just repeated that model. Right. Of, part of the model is setting up 3PL distribution around the world. Yep. Using it. For those people who don't know what 3PL distribution is, why don't you explain that So briefly? third party logistics. Yep. So we, we tap into warehouses, pick and pack services yep. offshore where they're set up. They have the lease, but we just pay for pallet space and we pay for them to receive our orders and ship them out. Yeah, right. And so you've, you've done the tea. What other, what other products have you done in that space? 
Uh, we've done bean body, a whole heap of different supplement stuff. Right. A lot of the newer stuff now that we're building has been built, purpose built for China. Right. So, you know, some of our products are in like Myra and David Jones, like Bean Body, which is a cosmetic yep. brand. It's in Priceline. But most of our new stuff from like the last two years is literally purpose built for the Chinese gotcha. market. So in terms of the, the the scale that you built these businesses to, if you don't mind me asking, like what sort of revenues did you grow these businesses to? Your, your tea back in 2010 was doing, within its first six months, was doing around one and a half million Aussie in yep. revenue. We had some exceptional days in that first year. I remember I woke up one morning and we'd done overnight, just just out of France, we'd been featured on TV and we did 330,000 euros in one day. Nice. Just selling selling tea um, or Chinese medicine in the form of tea. Yep. And then, you know, we built that business to being, doing consistent sort of two, three million dollar revenues a month. Nice. And that's a, and, and being a business that has product, were you, were you having to run it quite lean because the margins were quite tight? Our margins were really healthy. Yeah, and right. And that's because we didn't price it as tea. Right. We priced it as a, you know, like a, a therapeutic, more of like a, a premium supplement yep. offering, not tea. If we had gone out and priced it against your Lipton and your Dilmar and stuff, we would have made no money. Yep. But you were, it was a specialist, unique. People were paying $40 a box. Okay. Yep. Look, it's, it, I've got to say, it's very unusual to have someone at 32 has, who's built as many, was it nine brands or something you built about now? Yeah, no, I mean, nine that we are still existing. There's been sort of two or three that we would have tried and, yep. and, and turned off as okay. well. Um, but yeah. And to, to build it up, like most people can't focus on one thing, let alone focusing on multiple things. You know, one of the things I often tell people when they come and say, oh, look, I've got all these different businesses. What do I do? I say, fucking get rid of everything. Focus on one. Is it is that part of your strategy? It just looks like you've got multiple things going on, yeah, but yeah, you're actually so working on one thing? Or Yeah, I guess... The model of all of these brands is very, very similar. So I use the same marketing strategies pretty much. The same principles yep. apply. Um, the same distribution through our 3PL networks. We've got, once once we had one brand set up and had distributor contacts around the world, had 3PL contacts around the world, had a marketing team that was expanding and could and had capacity to add another brand, but it's a it's a key thing. We we don't add another brand if we are under resourced. We've only ever added additional brands whilst thinking about how we how are we going to have the resources to manage this because, like you said, you spread yourself too thin and you sort of you know on on every brand you're only, you're doing a little bit rather than one brand doing a lot. Yep. So um, you've built all these businesses. You, you, you seem to be finding a little bit of a pace now, but you're now coming out into the light. You now just decided to come above the radar. So what's changed? Well, I think the in the last year or so, my a lot of my personal brand and stuff has shifted to what I'm doing now, which is completely outside of out of this product based business stuff, and it's around. Um, plantproof.com which is a, a website that I set up about plant-based nutrition so I along the, along this course became very passionate about plant-based nutrition um, so you're vegan yep. yeah right and I'd go you're on holding a bit of mass for, ve for a vegan yeah well, I mean that's sort of part of of what plantproof.com is about and it's yep. you know breaking down some of the I guess the the stigma associated the or some yep. of the you know stereotypical views can I ask you a question why do you hate plants why do I hate plants <laughs> 
Because I often I love this conversation because there's so much data to prove that you know, plants actually have like they have levels of emotional response. They have feeling response, and when a plant's about to get picked, they feel it. I don't have an issue with it, but I just find it an interesting concept to float when I when I do speak to my vegan and vegetarian yeah, friends. Yeah, I know that gets floated around, but I think you know. I think common sense prevails. We we would probably think animals are emotionally more intelligent. We would we would assume. Um, yeah, we would assume <laughs> until proven otherwise. <laughs> and but, so with with plant uh, plant proof. What, so what's the goal now? So I'm building um, I'm building out the content and stuff online. Built built started the community in January last year. Right. So built that out. Um, that's growing fairly quickly and writing a book with penguin the penguin book publishers yep. at the moment as i i'm about to finish my master's in nutrition yeah so that book will come out 2020 uh, which is a non-for-profit book so this is this is passion stuff right i've, I've made uh, yeah more than enough money so far with with the business stuff i've done and now i'm sort of exploring some some other areas of my life which are I'm finding fulfilling. Yeah, right. And so, what is it, where, where to from here? What does that look like? Is this going to be like a big community initiative? Yeah, hopefully. So, I've what I've done with the book is the community will choose where the profits are donated to, what what organisations. Um, there's multiple pillars that, that we'll try and cover, whether it's world hunger or or sustainability, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, I've been working with Chris Hemsworth on his new um, health and fitness center, app. Yeah, center. center. So yep. he asked me to get involved and do the plant-based uh, recipes and nutrition within the app. Yeah. So that's going to be a focus, building – there's a lot of content to build out there, um, continuing to build out the app. Yep. Um, and, and just really excited just to see where it goes. I don't really have – I'm not approaching it as a business as such, which yeah. is nice for a change. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I'm going to assume you've been in business now over 10 years or about 10 years? Yeah, I'm 32, so yeah, 22. About 10 years. Um, I can't assume that it's all been smooth sailing. There's got yeah. to be some challenges that have popped up along the way. What's one of the biggest challenges you've had to overcome? Have you ever failed spectacularly? Uh, yeah, I th- uh, definitely. And you, and I mean, I still have failures all the time now. Um, but I think early on, I learned that those are good, and and you can look at them in two lights, and you can let them get you down, or you can work out why you failed and 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 learn from that. Which you know, a lot of people talk about, but there's a lot of truth in that. Yeah. Um, I think work-life balance has probably been, you know, through my twenties. I think if a lot of people around me would and you used to often say to me like you do you, do you think you work too much are you taking this stuff too seriously and and honestly i was i looked at it as i was enjoying it so much and what i was what i was doing through my 20s and, and the, the long hours they weren't dragging me down they were enriching me i was learning about I'm myself yeah i was learning about myself at the same time so yeah. I, it, for me i i had guilt though i was like do I need to take a day off here? Do I need to take a day off there? And and I started just to really, you know, avoid listening to those people that were telling me that I needed to pull it right back and and just really get to know myself and work out well what what is enriching my life. And um, you know, I, I I think along the way, although a lot of the stuff I was doing was business, it was definitely personal growth. In terms of real real failures. I mean, I, I've had I've had stock come over from from China before that hasn't been properly quality controlled. Turns up multiple containers, damaged stock. 
person in China not accepting that they're they're liable. You've got distributors waiting for stocks, so you're letting people down. Um, you know that sort of stuff. So how do you deal with that kind of stuff? Because that sounds like a pretty a pretty decent kind of situation to get yourself put into. I think the first the first thing that I always do in that situation is any key stakeholder, distributor, or store is organize meetings or phone calls and try and work out a solution where they're happy because the relation ultimately those relationships are so important mm. and you want to be growing them you don't want them to be shrinking you don't want them to be looking to other other brands to supply so that's no matter how bad something is it's trying to maintain that relationship yeah right and then you know working with your your suppliers to to resolve the issue but then ultimately learning and getting better quality control in place because you were growing too fast and you didn't you you were ordering too much stock and putting too much pressure on the chinese supplier they were cutting corners but you didn't have the quality control in place to pick up the error yeah right have you ever experienced any personal tragedy like deaths death yeah addiction Trauma. Haven't, haven't had haven't had any addictions yep. to sort of drugs and alcohol or anything like that. People probably say I was addicted to my work at the, a bit of a workaholic. Yeah, workaholic. Yep. Which you know, I think it stems from my dad. My dad has a very strong work ethic. Um, but yeah, I've had personal tragedy and, yep. and deaths in the family and things like that. And so, how do you how do you recover from tragedy? Like, what's because it seems to me like you've got a very strong psychology. It seems you've got a very good handle on yourself. You you really know who you are. And one of the things I've observed in high performers, one of the things that makes them great is they have a very high level of self-awareness. And so they know when they're down the things that they need to do in order to pick themselves up. And whether it be, you know, a container not arriving or a death in the family or dealing with, you know, personal adversity that might be either recurrence in the form of, you know, compulsive behaviors or around addiction or, you know, that are non-compulsive in, in terms of, you know, just having problems with relationships. I'm curious to know from you, like, what is, it, what is your go-to when the shit is hitting the fan in any area of your life like, what is the first thing you think about? What is the first thing you do that helps you right side the ship and get yourself back on track? I think I subconsciously try and rationalize the situation and 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 also look to the positives. You've, so you I, balance it out. I've got to always look to the positives. Yeah. If 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 I'm ever sitting in a in thought and just thinking about negatives, yeah. I quickly change that. Yeah. And, right. And and I think going back to what you just said, then I think probably when i do look back and what i couldn't explain to people at the start about why i was able to have you know six, multiple successes quite early was a resilient a certain amount of resilience yeah and where did that develop like did were you an athlete at school like or yeah what? i did a lot of i did a lot of uh, sport but i th i was also i was very academic right um you know i just i remember through physiotherapy i was i was addicted to the work it was not that i was trying to prove to anyone else it was like me versus me and and i didn't want so you're competitive to, but with yourself i'm so competitive with myself yeah, right. and same with the businesses like every month the growth that i want to see is not comparing to any other brand it's literally to myself i need to prove to myself that i'm moving in the right direction or else what am i doing to treading water yeah right so why do you do what you do? Like what's, what's the hidden motivation that lies under the surface or, the, or the, perhaps is at the top of the surface that we just don't know about? I think, and that's probably changed. I think at the start I was caught up in this... this was um, that ever about the money in the yeah, beginning? Yeah, I think at the beginning. Yeah. Honestly, I think at the beginning, if I'm going to be completely truthful, the attractiveness of, of, of business and doing something outside of, of being an employee was the money and the freedom that that afforded. But I think... 
ultimately did you kind of reach that stage like a lot of entrepreneurs do where you've got all the money you need and some you know you've 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 played you've got you've had a you've had a few nice cars you've had a few nice houses had a few nice girlfriends and you're like oh shit what hang next? on this wasn't really did you have that moment yeah i think i've had that at multiple times <laughs> I think I still have that now. Um, <laughs> I had it. I fucking woke up this morning and I had it, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I've had guilt about, I've, I've, I've almost felt guilty about earning money at stages where I've kind of thought, why me? Yeah, right. what, what am I doing? Like, why, why, why me? And then I sort of just rationalized. Was it. that inherently from you or was that from, you know, outside forces reflecting upon you that perhaps. Yeah, well. I mean, society's society's beliefs are often instilled in us, right? Yeah. So, I yeah, you're probably right. I've probably got these beliefs instilled in me, which yeah. um, give me a sense of guilt about um, having money, whether it's you know watching news and and looking at people with less opportunity and things like that. But I think it's still good to when you when you sort of feel that guilt to to understand that maybe there are people with less opportunity and that you know we're ultimately I was born into a family by luck. You know, I didn't choose that. I was just born into a family by luck. Not that my my family, um, from a monetary point of view, contributed to what I've done, but certainly the way my parents raised me and the values and the beliefs and opportunities I had as a kid to participate in sport and go to a good school, they contributed to to where I am now. Um, and I don't take that for granted because I understand that there's people out there mm. that haven't had that opportunity. Yeah, right. So in terms of, um, you talked about parenting. You mentioned a couple of times now your dad's work ethic and, and now the way that you were brought up. So I guess at what point is, is, are you looking to settle down at some point, start your own family? Has it already happened? Did I miss that in the fucking pre-brief? <laughs> it hasn't happened. Um, my girlfriend probably like it too soon, but <laughs> here we, we go. What's we, her name? Um, Tanya. Tanya, you can send me flowers yeah. for what I'm about to do. <laughs> well, I mean, we've, we've got two dogs in the last 18 months. So that slowed things down a bit. Yeah. Right. Congratulations. <laughs> Um, they've been a handful, but well, it's a good preparation. Yeah, that's what everyone says. Yeah. So I mean, they are. How's yeah. the preparation going? Yeah, that's. <laughs> I'm, I'm slowly. See, once you get kids, groups. you can't give them back. Yeah, yeah, that's that's why the, the, <laughs> the puppy thing is a really good trial. Yeah, no, the puppies are great. They they definitely um, are a handful, but they're starting they're starting to get through their puppy stage. So that's all good. Yeah, I think you know ultimately we'll have kids, and yep. I would like to raise them similar to to how i was which was to understand you know good values and, and good beliefs and have that as a good example but ultimately be left to to actually establish a lot of those for yourself yeah, right. and um you know i think my parents steered me in the right direction but they certainly weren't forceful yeah and you know i think at times they sort of let their let let go a bit to even let me fail and let me do stupid things you know in my, in my teenage years with my mates and whatnot but to 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 do that in order to learn yeah right so you mentioned early before in the early days it was a, you were very honest about it, it was about the money uh i'm gonna assume now you've made enough money for it to be irrelevant about the money so what makes you get out of bed now so now it's it's really turned. Can't be the puppies. No, it's. I mean, well, the puppies they wake me up every morning and licking my face. <laughs> I guess that does get you out of bed. There we go. <laughs> and they're licking, and then if I don't get them, open up the door, they'll go to the bathroom on the floor. So they get me up. But in terms of, I guess, a sense of purpose, it's a combination of things. The the work that I'm still doing and the stuff that we're still doing with China, 
there are a lot of challenges involved. And, you know, now we're dealing with another country who has their own sets of cultures and values and beliefs and and political system. And political system. Yeah. And over the last two years of really getting in that, I feel like I've I've taken my skill set and and um, I guess understanding of business to a whole nother level in terms of maturing in, on that side of things. So I I like I like the intellectual um, challenge of business, and I don't think I have, that will ever fade. Yeah. So I think you know, money aside, I I, I could be doing nothing right now. You know, I could wake up and just go but for would a you swim, be happy? but I wouldn't be stimulating my mind with yeah. with what I find very interesting, and that is, you know, building a brand, the creative aspect of building a brand, understanding your consumer, working out, you know, how you're where you're going to speak to them, how you're going to speak to them, all that sort of stuff, and 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 sitting down in the strategy sessions, I'm very passionate about, and we've got some young members of our team now, and you know, being able to to guide them and 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 see them actually starting to contribute and come up with with great ideas is is inspiring to myself um so i enjoy that side of things and then you know what i'm doing with plant proof and just being able to cut through a lot of the bull can i swear on this show? yeah fuck yeah a lot no. of the, a lot of the bullshit in the fitness and in and 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 uh health industry you know around just selling crap and where people don't really care about the consumer and it's all about a quick dollar. There's so much of that now on, on social media and online and I feel like a lot of people are uh, slightly misled. They don't know what to do. And my message isn't about being vegan. It's just about healthy eating in general and there's a spectrum and I teach people a lot of the principles and where the science lies and you know I find it rewarding to be able to do that without any agendas. Yeah, right. So what's your main protein source, just out of curiosity? Yeah, so it's a... a a big diverse range but i'll have legumes so black beans chickpeas lentils fava beans things like that tempeh tofu um nuts seeds unrefined grains i have protein powder like a lot of people have pea and hemp protein powder most days i'd be getting 150 to 200 grams of protein okay how tall are you six foot one how much do you six, weigh? Six foot, yeah uh, 89 yeah 89 kilos wow 200 grams of protein okay that's great yeah and, and that's all plant-based that's all plant-based so you so, must be eating a shit ton well i mean not really you get your your shake might have 30 40 grams in yep. it then i pro- what what a lot of people don't um sort of can't get their head around when they are transitioning is you do need to eat more volume yeah because plant-based food is less calorie dense yeah um but i but find that, but the benefit of that is obviously intestinal it's yeah. far better fit i mean a lot higher fiber but uh yeah exactly so you, you get a lot of fiber but you know i do a lot of like really dense smoothies i do overnight oats with a lot of really high protein ingredients hemp seeds things like that and yep. yeah i don't find it hard at all you've got like your um legume pastas I'm not sure if you've seen them. Not yet, no. So you can do like chickpea pasta, which is yeah, right. 47 grams per serve no, of protein. And it actually tastes all right? It tastes amazing. Legume pasta. So if, if you... I'm fucking sold. You gotta, they do it in chickpea, they do it in edamame, they do it in um, azuki, I think. What's the brand? Is it a, Eco something. Eco something, all right. Um, but yeah, that's 46 grams of protein per serve, 20, wow. odd, 20 odd grams of fiber and 20 grams of carbs. Wow. So like you can... You, you you do two serves of that, one for lunch and one for dinner with whatever else, and yeah, it's it's pretty easy. I think I think with more and more products coming onto the market, I don't need a lot of the processed, um, super processed vegan food. Yep, I understand that 
you know, if someone's transitioning or doesn't really care about their health and they're more animal ethics, that's fine. Yep. Um, but I do try and stick to sort of as whole food or minimally processed as possible. Yeah, right. Okay. What's the craziest thing you've ever done? Because you seem pretty straight laced, I've got to tell you. But uh, I have this feeling that there's this <laughs> fucking this party animal dark side that only comes out after midnight on a full moon. Yeah, I think. I mean, I've I've done my fair share of partying. Yep. Um, I grew up in Melbourne. Melbourne, you know, has nightclubs open all hours, all hours of the morning. Not like Sydney. Yeah, it's a bit different to Sydney, which is probably one of the reasons I moved here. Yeah. Um, good to get point. me away from that. Yeah. <laughs> so. You know, there was plenty of partying in Melbourne. There was plenty of full moon parties in Thailand. There was, um, I think the scariest, craziest thing I did was when I was 21, I took between university, between third and fourth year uni, I had about four months off because of clinical placements with physio. And I went to South America and I skydived. I was hungover, signed up for skydiving. And the pilot, he was probably 15 or 16. And I actually was more scared in the plane going up then jumping out that was probably the scariest time of my life <laughs> and little did you know he also had other parachutes in there but they were, they were strapped to some other loads okay cool so you really are kind of at that point in your life now where it seems to me like it's not so much philanthropic as it is passion based like you've you've reached that point where the businesses are they're fairly well under management i'm assuming yeah we've got you know large office lots of managers big team yep so how big's your team got i think we've got 19 staff okay. at the moment um in our office and yep. then in our in the chinese office they've got about 23 yeah right so we're partnered with them so okay you know 40 odd people. and any other brands coming out that's worth mentioning uh i mean we're working on a range of things but there's there's different we're looking at dental into china um dental yeah so we're we're, we're looking at that'll the, be hot product the oral care space yeah right um that's probably not teeth whitening, actual oral months. care. Not teeth whitening per yep. se, more oral care. So the oral care and education up there is probably a little bit behind here. Yeah. Um, and I think the access to, to dentists generally isn't as good as here. Yeah. So, yeah, we're looking we're looking at that space and yeah, a bunch of other spaces. Yeah, right. That's very <laughs> cool. Well, mate, listen, I know you're, um, you're building the personal brand up. So if people want to find out more about you, where can we send them? Uh, on Instagram, plant underscore proof yep. or plantproof.com is probably the best place. And you've just you've also got a podcast that you've either just launched or it's out now? I've got a podcast. I'm 54 episodes in. Well done. So that's been... Congratulations. Um, yeah, it's been good fun, as you know, yeah. just to have a yarn. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's just called the Plant Proof Podcast. And we t- I, t- I don't just talk about nutrition. It's, it's um, around just being a bit more conscious and, and self-aware so just on that note then um do you have any conscious practices that you that you do on a regular basis i think i mean i meditate daily yeah which is what, t- what style of meditation so just like a um one giant mind to use the app have you yep. seen the app i have not no yeah so, the, the, so it's a, a guided there's a, there's a mantra and yep. it's guided yep okay so i do i do that daily um maybe sometimes again in the afternoon depending on how the day is going yep um uh, but i think just just throughout the day as much as i can trying to think to separate myself from what's going on in my mind taking a step back to be mindful yeah just to be mindful and to be able to think you know sometimes your first reaction you know to an email or what someone says is not always the right one it's not always what you believe in um and your mind can play tricks on you like that yeah so sometimes just taking that extra moment to to really think things through and that's probably something i didn't do at all in my 20s yeah right well done (laughs) mate that's great and so last but not least, best piece of advice? I would say to 
to be as consistent as you can be in whatever it is you're doing and you're trying to work on because often I find people that want to work on something, they, they're they very extreme in, in that they'll be like, oh, I'm just going to do it this week and I'm, I'm going to learn it or I'm going to do a detox or whatever. And, and my message is around consistency over a long time really pays off. Mm. Um, and if I was going to add something else to that, Please, yeah. it would be about vulnerability and allowing yourself to be vulnerable and putting yourself into a position where you are vulnerable, accepting that you don't, you're not born with all of the knowledge and that there are plenty of people around you who can guide you and help you, but you need, you need to allow yourself ultimately to be vulnerable in order to listen and, and to see these cues, to learn from them, to then be able to build them into your own practice and grow personally to, to grow your business as well. Beautiful finish. Simon Hill, thank you so much. For those who want to find out more information, plant underscore proof. proof. Uh, is that a dot .com as well? So plantproof.com. Plantproof.com yep. and Instagram plant underscore proof. Check out the podcast. It's out now, 54 episodes deep. Check it out. Simon Hill, thank you so much for coming Thanks, in, Thanks, Kevin. Cheers, Appreciate mate. it. This episode was brought to you by Nail It and Scale It, the world's leading fast growth program for business. There you have it, guys. Thanks for tuning in to Unstoppable with me, your host, Kerwin Ray. And please do not forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel where you get to see all of these interviews in the flesh. Share this podcast with your friends and drop me a review on iTunes. I would love to hear what you guys think and also let you know your comments help make sure that we keep producing killer content just like this. And if you'd like to stay up to date with all of my movements, upcoming podcasts, events, and much more, please jump onto the website, KerwinRay.com and also check us out on all social media on the handle at Kerwin Ray. Thanks for joining us.